Amen. That's a good song. Gets me jumping and jiving for Jesus. Let's go. Dance like David. That's what I'm going to do. Well, as you know, I always want to encourage you guys to read the Word of God. So let me encourage you to read this week. You know, Psalm 37, that's something I've been reading every day since the beginning of the year. And read Psalm 37, verse 39. Psalm 37, verse 39. Look at that passage and, and really dwell on what is your stronghold, right? It's not, is it the stuff that you have? Is it the people in your life or is it Christ? So I, I recommend read Psalm 37, verse 39 and see how the Lord speaks to you through that passage. And also, I encourage you to keep praying. Find someone to pray with. Keep praying. Pray every day. We can't pray enough. So keep praying. Don't stop. And if you're wondering what to pray for, pray for me. Pray for the people in this room. Because that's what we're called to do is just pray for each other and just declare the mercies of the Lord upon each other. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you have done. God, we're just so grateful that we can come together like this. Uh, God, we just ask right now, that you just take our, our hearts and our minds and uh, open them up and expose them, Lord, to us so that we can see the sin in our life that we can turn from and repent from and, and, and run to the cross. God, we also ask that you uh, be with us to give us encouragement to know that all has been paid for in Christ. Be with those who are around the world, the churches that are meeting right now, Lord, in, in areas that are you know, a little hostile to the gospel. Lord, but give them encouragement and remind them and help them know that Lord, we're praying for them right now, all the missionaries and churches that are meeting in all the places. God, we ask that you help us remember and see that your word is truth and, and, and the ultimate truth in our life that is there to guide us and help us to always run to you. That you have not left us in the dark. You haven't left us to our own to figure out the ways of how to live. But you have provided everything through Jesus. And we can see who he is through your word. So God, we ask that you just help us to always remember that, Lord. Be with those who are not here now, Lord. Be with those online. Be with those who are not able to make it here to church. Let them know they are loved. And more specifically, that you love them. And God, I just ask that we can be uplifted in this time. Fill us with hope, love, and peace through your Spirit so we can live the faith consistently before you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. You know, it's, um, it's important in today's world and uh, in light of all the events that have happened to us and around us, for us as Christians to remember the gospel message in which we believe in. You know, it, it's so central to our life now that, that we reflect upon its gracious, its gracious message that says, look, the chains of sin that have binded you have been broken. You know, the shackles of its power have, have been shattered. You know, your, your slavery, because of this gospel message, this, this slavery to the sinful world of death and decay have, have come to an end. 
You know, the, the power that this world had over you is, has been completely removed. It's, it's, it's threatful grip of guilt and fear and worry and, and hate. It, it's now gone when you accept Christ. You know, this never-ending battle of, of trying to, to find and establishing a, a sense of worth and, and meaning and, and, and purpose in this world has, has been completely unfastened from you now. And you don't need to look to the world to give you those things. You, know, you, have, you have been removed from this, this life-draining quest of, of vanity of trying to find fulfillment and, and dignity and respect from, from those around you. Which, actually, the more you do that, it just leads to more stress and defeat and disappointment anyways. You know, you have been... There's this gospel message that we believe in says you have been freed and are no longer doomed and trapped to this world's insanity. You know, you have been released from this worry of of losing, released from being a slave of, of living for yourself to keep yourself at the top, at the expense of everyone else. You know, liberated from slavishly trying to control people so, you can, so they can fit your, your needs better and, and your wants and your preferences so you can feel better about yourself and, and feel better with who you are. You know, this message in which we believe has, has freed us from finding our identity and finding ourselves in this world. You know, the, the gospel says that God has unburdened you from all of this simply through faith in His Son. For Christ has obtained all of that for you. He has obtained your identity. Your very makeup of who you are is now found in Him. So whatever you're looking for, your wants, your desires, your needs, comforts, joys, hope, security, dignity, affirmation, respect, treasure, love, friendship, commitment, whatever it is, It has been obtained and found in Jesus Christ so you can rest from this exhausting world. You know, the gospel declares that you are now truly a free man or woman in Jesus Christ through faith in Him. That sin is is powerless before you and there's nothing that this world then can hold against you to put you or keep you in its cage of guilt. There is nothing that it can offer that is greater and more powerful than Jesus. See, this, this gospel message of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, Him being the sacrifice for our sins so we can be forgiven and reconciled to God through faith in Him has radically revolutionized, uh, revolutionized everything about us, everything about you and me. You know, for what Christ did upon that cross has truly changed everything about us. Before God, through faith in Jesus, our relationship with God and this world has now been wholly changed. It's never the same. We have been transferred from this kingdom of darkness and and brought into this wonderful kingdom of marvelous, marvelous light before God. We are now dead to the world and alive to God as His children who He loves inexhaustibly and unconditionally, even though we still sin. And that's truly remarkable, and, and that's, that's great news. 
And what's, what's even more wonderful is that that's not where the good news ends. It just doesn't stop there. For there's something else then that has also changed about us once we placed our faith in Christ. For since now we have this new relationship with God, we now have a new relationship and deep relationship with His people. See, in this extraordinary bond, that has been made and obtained between God and man through the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus, through the cross, has also made and obtained a deep bond between men who have faith in Him. And this has radical implications in how we view and treat and relate to each other by faith in Christ. Now, I I admit... Okay, I admit it is hard to remember the deep bond that we have with each other through faith in Christ because of all the turmoil and uncertainty that goes on in this world that is constantly screaming, the sky is falling. And sadly, because of that, we become preoccupied with self and self-righteously kind of isolate and divide from each other on worldly issues So by default, our relationships with each other become kind of shallow and hollow. More of like, hi, and that's it. And if facing and wrestling with the craziness of what the world's dividing lies are, they're constantly coming about us, if that wasn't enough to keep us distracted from this amazing gospel truth of unity that we have in Christ, we also then have our own problems that we deal with, with all of our own sins that keep popping up all of our own failures that we are grappling with that keep us preoccupied with self, always trying to seem stronger than we actually are, always trying to seem that we're more faithful than we actually are, trying to look like we have it all together and and that we're good on our own, that we really don't need God's people in our life on a deep level, for we're good with just Jesus. You can stay six feet away. I got Jesus. And sadly, by thinking this way, we enter and believe this world's lie that a strong, mature person is an independent person. And what I mean is this. The world entices us to believe that the more that we can keep from opening ourselves up to each other and investing in each other as people of faith, the more we isolate ourselves from each other on a relational level and, and hide our hearts and struggles from each other, this is the way that we are seen as a free, strong, mature Christian in the Lord. Saying, I got this. I don't need God's people involved in my life. It's just Jesus and me and that's it. But that's not the case. For the more that we keep from each other, the more isolated we become from each other in whatever capacity, physically, mentally, emotionally, as a, as a body, of, as a local church, the more we, guess what, we end up focusing on our shortcomings and inconsistencies and end up feeling trapped in them and forget that we are free from the power of sin and death now by faith in Christ. 
And sadly, we end up feeling isolated from God and we end up feeling alone in this world because we keep be, get beating down or keep getting beat down with this lie that all of life is dependent upon you now. We think the Christian life is just Jesus and me and we forget that there's also a Jesus and we. That He died for you to bring you into His family so you would not be alone and isolated in this world. When we forget that, we get bogged down and live in defeat and frantically think that our life is in our own hands and that God is just some far-off being who is directing life, maybe our life, once in a while, that maybe His hand is upon us when things get really tough, and if, well, maybe if we're really sincere in our prayers to Him, then He'll come and change a few things here and there. So we end up letting ourselves be directed by fear and anger and worry, and we end up living in some type of physical or emotional or mental solitude from each other. Feeling alone in this world. And we completely forget that that is not true at all if we have faith in Christ. For we are more deeply unified with God and His people than we realize. And one of the main ways of experiencing this unification, this this freedom that we speak about of the Gospel, that you have in Christ, is not being independent from God's people, but realizing and experiencing how deeply connected you are with His people by faith in Christ. And that's what Paul has been emphasizing in this latter half of chapter 2. That we have a profound unity with each other because of our unity with God through faith in Christ. So today, our text is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. And our title is Gospel Unity. So as we look at this text, I want to set up our context Paul has just stated that the cross of Jesus Christ has has brought us into a new citizenship. We are citizens of heaven as we live upon this earth. And not only citizens, but we also now by faith have been brought into the family of God. We are of His household. And in verses 20 through 22, Paul then starts to explain and depict how the household, which we are now in by faith in Christ, how it was built and what its purpose is before God, and the, or the function that it has here on earth and in heaven. And this is important because what Paul states here is revealing to us all that Christ finished work. Okay, all his work, he's revealing that Christ has done all the work for this to happen, to unify us here on earth and to unify us with those in heaven right now. He has removed our sins and the boundaries that would keep us from each other. And He is now molding us together and bringing us together in Him. And it's not upon you or me to do any of this. We just simply trust in Christ by faith that He has done everything for you and me by faith in Him. Christianity then is not just what Jesus did for me thing, but also what He did for us Our faith is not just a Jesus in me, but also a Jesus in we. So we're going to look at the text as Paul describes this household of God and how it was built. He gets kind of technical. 
But it's important to see the foundation here. In verse 20, Paul says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And this brings us to our first point. Gospel unity was taught by the founders. What you have here is a, is a very interesting passage that kind of needs to be picked apart a bit so we can fully get what Paul is saying here. But the general principle is, here is that the, that the Ephesians, or really anyone, who has placed their faith in Christ, have been brought into something greater than what this world could ever offer them. That they are now part of something that's going to last for eternity. Think of it this way. Those who place their faith in Christ have entered into the glorious, favorable favorable building plan of God that will never be broken or destroyed. God is doing a good work, and we are part of it, and that will never be taken away from us. For the foundation of this unifying gospel message was laid out or declared through the apostles and the prophets of the Lord. Now, what needs to be understood is that Paul is, is very specific with his words here. Notice that the foundation has been laid through the apostles and prophets. And we then, when you look later in the text, we, the believers, are built upon it. We do not add more to this foundation. The foundation has been set once by the apostles and prophets. Not by us. Not by me. So anything that comes after, once the foundation has been laid, is built upon it. There's no adding or expanding this foundation. So who were these apostles and who were these prophets that he spoke of? Well, first, the apostles that he is speaking of are those who saw the risen Christ and had the office and full authority to speak on behalf of Christ. They gave the foundations of what the church was. Hence, kind of like what the author is doing, the apostle Paul is doing in this letter and what he's done in many other letters. The apostles had the full authority to say, what does and does not make up the church of Jesus Christ. They laid the foundation. And ultimately, the apostles wrote down all the revelations of the teachings of Jesus Christ in the inspired scripture which we now have, the Bible. You see the foundation in the Word of God. So the office and the authority of the apostles is no longer around because we have Scripture. We have the foundation to be built upon. We have the true and complete Christian faith, as Jude 3 says, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now you might ask then, well, who are the prophets then? And what foundation did they give? Well, since Paul placed the prophets after the apostles and makes mention of this office of prophet later in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3 verse 5 and chapter 4 verse 11. These people are people who spoke with the direct infallible revelation from God to his people, the church. It wasn't a feeling, it wasn't a thought, it wasn't an insight or some conviction or some type of calling. We're talking about the infallible revelation that could not be questioned with the full authority over you, just like Scripture is. They said it, you did it, no and, ifs, or buts about it. So when they spoke, it was with full authority over the church because it came directly from God. Now you might ask, well, what foundation 
did they lay down if the apostles were around? What did they do if the apostles were doing it too? Well, when a church was planted, there was only so many apostles and and communication was very limited. They didn't have the 24-hour cell phones in which we have to contact each other, which no one really picks up anyways. Or the emails that instantaneously go out and people ignore. But they didn't have that. So how would a church keep on track and make sure what was being taught was correct? Well, by the direct revelation of God himself through the prophets in those local churches. Because remember, the church at large didn't have the complete scripture at that time. They only had the Old Testament. The New Testament was still being written by the apostles and gathered and circulated amongst the churches. So the prophets which spoke with direct revelation from God, or for our text, the prophets gave the foundation for the church until scripture was complete, just like the apostles did. But now the foundation for the church is set. We have all we need to know about the faith in the word of God now. For it alone is the ultimate authority in our life. The Old Testament is now complete by the New Testament. Now you might ask, well, what what does that mean for me on on a practical level? Well, it means this. The apostles and prophets, or really all of Scripture, attest that we are saved by grace through faith alone. That has always been the message. It has not changed. For the gospel of God's grace is for all people and all nations. It always was and always will be. The gospel is not about our faithfulness to God, but his faithfulness to us. Not about our commitment to God, but his commitment to us. Not about our sacrifice for God, but of his sacrifice for us. And no one can say anything different now, no matter who they are or where they come from, for the foundation has been laid. This message of the gospel has been set. For by grace you are saved, by grace you stay saved, and by grace you'll get into eternity. Salvation will never be anything that you do, and it's always offered freely to all people. For the foundation of the faith has been established and solidified by the cross of Jesus Christ. Or as Paul says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And this brings us to our second point. Gospel unity was obtained by Christ. And what Paul is saying here that everything that the apostle and the prophets taught, or the apostles and the prophets taught, is based in and upon Christ. He is the very cornerstone of the foundation which was set through them. Now some of you might be asking, well, what in the world is a cornerstone? Well, a cornerstone of the foundation is the most important stone in the foundation. For you really don't have a firm or strong or really any foundation at all without it. Why? Well, think of it this way. Think of it this way. It is this this stone is the one stone that provides the guidance and the support and the stability for the construction of the building upon a foundation. This stone, this cornerstone, bears all the weight, all the stress of keeping everything together that is placed upon this laid-out foundation. Does it sound familiar of Jesus and what he does? So as, a build, so as the building will get bigger and bigger and the 
the stone would bear all the pressure of the building that is being placed upon the foundation so nothing would crack, nothing would crumble. Everything about the building was dependent and reliant upon that one stone. It was the one most important stone. See, what Paul is getting at here is that Christ is truly our everything. His life, death, and resurrection solidified our assurance of salvation before before our God. He is our guarantee of getting in to heaven. He is the Savior of all people, not just some people, but all people who look to Him by faith. He is our support. He is our strength. He is our protector. He is our help. He is our power. He is our peace. So what this means then on a practical level is that we need to realize no matter how weak and how feeble your faith may be, no matter what mess up you had this week or what wretched thought you had or what lustful intent filled your eyes or what horrid emotion came about you because of some situation you're dealing with or how rude and inconsiderate and impatient and selfish you were this week with the loved one or neighbor, Christ was able to deal with all of it for you so you can have rest for your weary soul by faith in Him. For He is our unshakable cornerstone that will not break or let us break. There is no sin that is too big for Him to handle and forgive so we can always rely upon Him to make sure we always have God's love and favor upon us. He's holding us together. And holding our relationship together with God. It means no matter how many times we fall into sin, His grace will not break from us or fracture away from us. It also means that there is no one person that is too far gone to be forgiven. Isaiah 28, 16 speaks of it in this way, saying, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, whoever believes will not be in haste. Now with Christ being this cornerstone that everything is built upon, supported by and determined by, Paul then explains what this burden-stress-bearing stone is doing to us, as he says in verse 21 in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And this brings us to our last point. Gospel unity brings glory to God. So with Christ overcoming all of our sins, He also overcame all of our boundaries and differences to bring us together into His household family for a purpose. To be a holy temple in the Lord. Now notice, Paul, Paul's focus here is on the one corporate temple of all believers in which we make up. The focus is that we are one structure with one purpose of being a temple that is growing and being continually built. So he's not only focusing on our personal growth in the Lord in this section, but he's also focusing on the addition of adding more souls, more people being added to this ever-growing temple. And what makes this passage so interesting is that it is God who is growing His temple. He is growing you and me and bringing others to Him. 
It is God who does the very specific thing, as Paul says, being joined together. This term means God is personally smoothing all those those rough edges around you and shaping you and others to fit together to make his one temple. God is doing this right now for the purpose of bringing us closer to Christ and closer to each other rather than apart. God is fitting us together even if we can't see it. He is doing it. He is making sure His glory is seen in this temple. So think of it this way. God's desire and will is to make us more unified every day. And guess what? He's doing it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Nothing's going to stop it. Not even your sin. God is making sure His glory is seen through us, His temple. As more and more people come to know Him through faith in Christ, God is revealing that it's not just a specific people that are saved, but the gospel is for all people. And this church that we are in, this universal church in which we're in, is not a static temple but one that is continually growing in the Lord. He is the provider of the growth through us and others by having faith in His Son. We are all placed in His temple with the sole purpose of glorifying the Lord. And one of the greatest visual depictions of us, His his temple, in glorifying the Lord is by gathering locally with, bought with other believers. No matter who they are, or what their background is, or what age they are, or what they look like, we glorify Him by coming together just like this. See, by faith in Christ, we are one body, one church, one people, one temple, with all the Christians in the world and heaven above. And we express this one temple that Christ has obtained and is building when we gather locally despite our differences. This reveals the glory of God amongst us. Which Paul says in verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What you have here is Paul saying, we are so closely and tightly joined together because God dwells amongst us through His Holy Spirit. God dwells amongst us and the world sees it vividly when we come together locally even though we have a lot of differences from each other. When when churches around the world gather locally, they reveal to the world that God is amongst them, for Christ has died to bring people of all types together as one under His name. When all the churches who trust in the gospel of God's grace gather locally, wherever they are, we all reveal that we are all one under Christ. We are the temple where God dwells, that He is building one person at a time. That is mind-boggling. Just the fact that He's amongst us. I sin all the time. You sin all the time. But yet He's there. 
and he dwells amongst you favorably. For this promise of God dwelling amongst us is seen and revealed when we come together locally. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not with us when we're not gathered. All Paul is saying is that it is vividly expressed to us and others when we do gather because it reveals that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all sinful men. Sinners. So what does all this mean? This is what it means. Through faith in Christ, we are part of His temple, so we are saved from being doomed to isolation. We are saved from living a life of solitude. We are saved from loneliness. We are saved from separation. For through faith in Christ, we have deep, meaningful fellowship with each each other as His temple. We just have to realize it. We are a people now who remind each other that we are not alone in this world. That's why we gather. That we are part of an eternal family. We are family. We are a people who uplift each other in our weaknesses and say, you're going to make it because Jesus made it for you. Just look to Him. That even when we are faced with our sins, faced with the reality that we are not a good person because of the evil we have done and that the others out there point out so gloriously, We as a church gather around each other and say, remember Christ came to die for sinners such as you and I just trust in Him. Your sins have been forgiven by faith alone. See, through faith in Christ, we are now part of the universal church. We, right now, here in this particular body, are a local expression of it. We reveal that God is is with us And that He is for us. All gospel-believing churches are expressions that God is dwelling with His people wherever and whenever they gather. So what this means, the more fellowship we have with each other, despite our age, despite our life circumstances, despite our looks, despite our maturity levels, despite our views on politics, despite our views on medical practices. Or whatever differences the world wants you to divide over. The world is great at segregating people. Puts everyone in their little box. The more that we come together and reveal that we are the one temple of the Lord and fellowship with each other, despite those differences, we reflect that we are one in the Lord and God's glory is seen through us by faith in Christ. Our goal as a people is always to point to each other, it's always to point each other to Jesus, to look past our differences as we fellowship in Christ, realizing that our unity has already been attained in and by Christ through faith in Him. 
So if there is something keeping you from being close to a brother or sister in Christ because of such hollow things like politics, looks, age, certain life habits, or whatever, I pray you go to Jesus to help you lay aside those things so you can reflect on the glory of the Lord as His temple as you fellowship with His people. And realize, if you go to Jesus, He's already done everything for you. For God loves sinners, which I am foremost. And praise God for His grace. For we are one people by faith in Christ. And by His strength and by His power, we will live that way. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to pray with someone, the deacons will be up here, pray with each other. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, asking for a reminder and to, to, for us to remember that, Lord, we are one in you. And by your Son's grace, he has overcome any boundaries he has overcome any differences or anything that, has, that would divide us. That we simply just need to go to Jesus. And he will keep us unified. For he is the unifier. For his gospel has overcome anything that we can throw at it. For he is a good God. You are a good God, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.